1 Peter chapter 1. We're just going to read verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls." So, this morning, Lord willing, want to talk about trials. Talk about trials. And we want a biblical view of everything, don't we? The reason we come and talk about what the Word of God says every week, the reason we open the Bibles in the morning and ask the Lord to teach us and shape us is because we want our view of the world to be shaped by God's view of the world, by the way things really are. We want to have a biblical view. We want to have God's view. We want to have a truthful view of everything, but specifically trials. And I was just thinking, how could God have written the Bible to prepare us for trials more clearly than he did? It's absolutely clear if you read the bible you need to be prepared for trials think about all the examples example after example think about the first person born abel what happened his brother killed him over what his righteousness before god there it starts immediately first you can't get through the first family in the bible without Realizing, wow, this is what God's world is like. This is what the fallen world is going to be like. There's going to be trials, even for the righteous. And then all the way through the end, we could spend the whole time just naming person after person after person after person. And their trials just more and more and more, right? Think about Moses, how many, how many trials Moses had. Just being born, first thing, they're trying to kill him. And he gets put in a basket in the river. I mean, that's a trial. Going down the river and then, praise the Lord, God delivers him. Pharaoh's daughter finds him. But he's not raised by his mom, even though he's nursed by his mom. He's not raised by his mom. He's raised by the Egyptians. And then, remember he has to flee? 
after he kills one of the Egyptians, lives in the wilderness. Then God speaks to him. That's a trial, trial of his faith. He comes back. God said, I'm going to deliver I'm going to deliver my people through you. That sounds good. That was hard. <laughs> Remember how many things had to happen? A lot of things. Then they finally get delivered and everything's great. <laughs> Just for a couple minutes. And then suddenly the people are grumbling. And over and over and over, there's trial after trial after trial. And that's not just Moses, it's everybody. From Abel all the way to the last days in Revelation. Should we read Revelation, what do we expect? Tribulation and trial, difficulty. Even Jesus, right? Not even the perfect man escaped trial. In fact, a life full of trials. So if God wanted to prepare us for trial. Boy, he did a good job. I mean, you can't read through this and think, I think my life's going to go pretty much the way I plan. <laughs> and if that wasn't enough, he told us repeatedly, don't be surprised. So not only did he give us example after example after example, he specifically said, don't be surprised when fiery trials come on you. But we still are, Right? still are. We're still surprised. We needed all the preparation that we could get. So we want a biblical view. So the three things I want to talk about, three things for you to think about in trial. I'll tell you what they are before we get into it. One, there's a person we need to trust. That's faith, right? We need faith in trials. There's something we need to know. That's knowledge. We need faith. We need knowledge. And then there's a future we need to look forward to. And that's hope. So three things we need in trials. Faith, knowledge, and hope. Let's start with faith. And let's look at these verses in First Peter so you can see where I'm getting this. Verse 5 who by God's power are being guarded through what? Through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. We're being guarded by God's power. God has the power. We're trusting Him. There's a person to trust in trial. And it's God. It's Jesus Christ. It's God the Father. It's the Holy Spirit. We trust a person. I've said this before, but it's helpful to me, so I'll say it again. That you have the ability, you already have the ability to trust another person. Trust them completely. Trust their power, not yours, in a situation that you don't understand for them to take care of you even if it's painful even if you don't understand why it's called a doctor right 
that's what you do at the doctor. You go in and they say, well, you got a problem. And they say a word that you have no idea what in the world it means, but you trust them. And they say, well, we're going to treat it, but it's going to be really painful. And you're going to have to put my very, your very life in my hands and pay me to do it. <laughs> so we can do it. I mean, we can trust somebody to cause us immense pain if we believe that they know what they're doing, that they're out for our good, right? Think about God. How much more God? How much more God? The doctor knows not that much. They know something. They don't know like God knows. The doctor has some ability, some skill, some understanding of your situation. Not like God. Nothing like God. God knows you inside and out. God knows everything about you. You talk to the doctor for, if you talk to the doctor for 30 minutes, you've got a really good doctor. <laughs> Usually it's less, 15 minutes, 10 minutes. God knows everything. God's been watching you your whole life. Do you think he knows what you need? Absolutely. Do you think he has the ability to, get, to help you and to give you what you need and give you what's best? Absolutely. Think about Jesus. I mean, just think, he died for you. He's, if he did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him give us all things? He couldn't do any more than he did. So even when it's painful, we know God's good. And there's going to be times where we don't understand it, right? Where it's difficult, it's hard, and you don't understand why. You don't know all the ins and the outs. But we can trust because of who God is. We're trusting a person. We're trusting someone who cares for us. We have the ability. Now we need to trust God. God is caring, capable, knowledgeable, trustworthy. And so we need to trust a person. You come into a situation, you're not trusting, quote, that it's all going to work out. You're trusting a person that loves you. That's a big difference. It's not just positivity. It's a person that you know. When things go wrong, boy, it makes a difference to have a person there, doesn't it? A person that you can talk to, a person that feels things. Think about the fact that you can tell Jesus, this is so hard, but I know you, you know what I've been through. Right? He suffered just like we did. He was tempted in every way just like we, we are. There's sympathy. There's understanding. There's care. We don't even have to go through the trial alone. I mean, knowing that it's going to be for your good, knowing that it's hard, but you're going you're gonna to make it, knowing that it's necessary, all these things, 
might help. But surely the per- a person being there is, is the biggest help of all. So let's go on to the next point. We have, first, we have to trust a person. We have to have faith in God. Second, we have to know something. There's something we need to know. Let's look at that here in verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. I want you to think about that word, if necessary. If necessary. Do you know that trials are necessary? Do you know it? Are trials necessary? Can you say for sure, I know this is necessary to grow me, to glorify God, that it's for my good and not for my destruction? This is something that I think the first time I was struck by it was in James 1. Let's look at that here. James 1. Verse 2 and 3. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Do I know? He's assuming, he's saying, you guys already know this. This is a fact settled in your mind that trials grow you, that they produce something in you that wasn't there before. You know it. And then we have to stop and think, wait, do I know that? Do I really know that? Because surely God can get me mature without something difficult, right? That's how we really feel. I mean, that's how I really feel. Maybe if you, maybe God already taught you this, praise God, you should come and talk to me afterwards because <laughs> I, I'm just learning. You know, I need God to teach me. But whether I, I don't think I would say it out loud like this, although I'm about to, but this is the, my subconscious thought. Surely I'm getting p- pretty close to Christian maturity. Surely I don't need to be stretched and challenged too much. Not so much that I'm getting uncomfortable. Not to where I get desperate, definitely. I don't want to be, I don't think I need to get to where I'm on my knees weeping and bawling, crying for God's help. Surely a small problem that I can handle on my own would work. Surely there's a way to become a Christian and become mature without difficulty, right? I really don't expect when I wake up in the morning, when I think about the upcoming year trial to come. I don't. I don't really expect. I expect everything to go well. Well, it's not true. We, we do need to grow. We aren't there yet. We do need to be stretched. We do need to be challenged. We do need to get in situations where we have the 
acute awareness, I cannot handle this on my own at all, where we do get to where we're on the ground weeping, asking for help. We need it. It's necessary. We know better. You already know this. In other areas, we just have to apply it to our relationship with God. Maturity cannot be created just like that, without difficulty, without periods of testing and trial. I mean, imagine if your son or daughter, you decided that's how you're going to parent them. Surely they can get mature without ever being challenged or having anything difficult come into their life. I mean, we don't want them to fall and like get a bruise or something. What would happen? What would, what would happen to a child who really, whose parents really believe that? They can become mature without difficulty testing or stretching. Would that child even be able to walk or read? It makes me think of some of my students that I've had. I've actually had quite a few students who don't understand this, where they would get into a situation every day in when I taught fifth grade, I'd have a math class where a student melted down in tears. We didn't learn this in fourth grade. And I would have to go and, and talk, give them a pep talk every day. Okay, buddy, today is, we're in fifth grade. Do you think we're going to learn something new? Or are we just going to review old things? Oh, we're probably going to learn something new. Do you think that's going to be hard? Yeah, I think that's going to be, I think it's going to be hard because I've never done it before. Do you think I'll help you? Yeah. Are you ready to go in and learn something new today? Yes, but if I didn't give him that pep talk and I showed something on the board that he'd never seen before, meltdown. We never learned this in fourth grade. That is kind of what we're like. You know, that's kind of what I'm like with God. God, I didn't expect parenting to be so hard. Surely you could have made kids to where they sleep all night and (laughs) things like that. But we know, we know we need testing. We, it's so obvious with kids. I want my kids to be put in difficult situations. I want, if my daughter gets in a situation, I want her to be exposed to some kids calling her names, making fun of how she looks. And I'm going to stand back, and I'm going to watch, and I'm going to let it happen because I want her to be tested, and I want to be there to help her to grow. That's the way God is. He's he's not unaware. He's watching. And he's ready to step in if it gets to where it's too hard. And he's also ready to step in and to coach us through it. This is difficult. Look, here's what I'm teaching you. Here's where you can grow. We know that trials, difficulty is necessary for growth. We just have to apply it to our lives, to us and God. That's what he says here. If necessary, God would not be putting you through it if it wasn't necessary. That's what he said. That's what it says right here. If necessary. Here's the other thing you need to know. It's necessary to grow you. It's necessary for good and not for your destruction. It's necessary because you're valuable. Look at this, what he says about gold here. Verse 7, So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, though 
gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in the praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You think about gold and you think, oh, look, I've got a piece of gold. What should I do with it? How about I just toss it in the fire where it can be destroyed? That does not sound like the right thing to do. Not if it's valuable. Do you value the gold? Yeah, it's really valuable. But you know what people do who really value gold? They toss it in the fire. Why? Well, one, God made it like that to teach us about trials, didn't he? God, maybe God made gold, maybe God made gold to go in the fire just because he thought, man, my, my people are going to need some help here understanding this. I need to make something really, really valuable that gets hammered and smashed and burned all the time. Well, there it is, gold, you know. In many ways, one of the most valuable things in terms of human culture. And we do, we do just that with it. We smash it, we hammer it, we toss it in the fire because it's valuable. To purify it, to mold it, not to destroy it. And that's what God's doing with you. Another thing it does shows its genuineness, right? You toss gold into the fire and the real thing doesn't get destroyed destroyed you know it's the it's the dross that comes to the top so God God's got a purpose God's doing something necessary in your life because you're valuable because you're valuable you don't spend a bunch of time with something uh, people don't uh, let me tell you a story did you know that whenever people take up carpet from a dentist's office, people will go get it and burn it because there's gold shavings that have like been ground off that have fallen into the carpet, and they'll burn the carpet to, get, to gather the, the, all the gold dust that has come from the grinding in, the people, in people's mouths. That's unbelievable. Why would they do that? Well, because it's valuable. So they go in and they burn it, and then... Gold drips out. It's worth worth their time. You don't do that with somebody's carpet that doesn't have gold in it. <laughs> and the thing, difficult things going on in your life, God's not going to do that if you're worthless. He's not going to take the time to shape and mold you all, go through all the difficulty if you're not if you're not valuable to Him. You are. Don't believe, don't believe that it's that He doesn't care. It's the opposite. He does care deeply. So we have to know something. We have to know something. We have to know that this is necessary for my good. For my good. And then last, hope. We have to hope. We have a future to look forward to. Look at the end of verse 4. Sorry, verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. And then look at seven, the second half of 7. After the gold is tested, what, what happens? It may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We've got a future to look forward to. This is not going to go on forever 
there's an end and there's a special value that comes. There's praise, praise, glory, and honor to who? Well, to God, right? Don't you want to glorify God? I mean, think about, let's, let's think of Job as an example. So here's Job, and he, God specifically says, there's no one like him on earth. He's ex, especially precious to God. Remember what he says? Maybe I'll just read it to you. Job, I'm going to just read one verse here, but it's in Job 1. And this is what God says about Job. Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears the Lord and turns away from evil? There's nobody like Job. Look, he's special. He's different. He's He's holy. He loves me. He's blameless. He fears me and he turns away from evil. What's God going to do? He's going to throw him into the fire. Because he values him. For God's glory. We would not be reading about Job right now. We would not be affected by the story of Job if the book of Job said, that verse, and then it said, and his whole life went really good and easy. And he honored God, the end. He used it. Think about how valuable and precious it showed God to be when Job lost everything and he said, naked I came into the world, naked I'm going to go out, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Boy, that showed God to be valuable, didn't it? What praise and honor and glory to God the trial brought out. It took the fire for us to see, no, Job was different. Job really meant it. Job really loved God. It takes a lot to worship God after all your kids die and you lose everything. But the reason we can see that is because of the trial. You know, we have to have hope. We have a future to look forward to. That's what Job had too, isn't it? I mean, he, even in the times where he seemed like he maybe overstepped, what he was looking forward to was talking to God. One day I'm going to talk to God and I'm going to give an account. I'm going to tell him, God, what's going on? You know, in one way he, God rebuked him and it was an overstep, but in another way, he was looking forward to the right thing. He was still looking to God. He was still taking his, his difficulty to God. The more difficult it gets, the more valuable we show God to be, right? That was Satan's whole argument with Job. He was saying, well, yeah, of course Job praises God. It's because everything is going good in his life. And then what? He showed that's not true. He praised God when everything was going opposite, as bad as it can get. What more could God take? And he still praised God. The difference God has made in our lives is going to be most clear, not on your easy days, but in the difficult days. It's not as easy to tell who's a Christian at the office party when everything 
all the kids have gone home and you're just eating free pizza. Everybody's got a smile. Everybody looks like they're not too angry. Nobody looks like they're going to lose their temper. Then what? Then the difficult days come. The boss treats you badly. The kids rebel. Then there's a difference. Then you can begin to shine, show God's, God's changed me, and God's worth it, God's better. Think about as a parent. Everybody looks like a good parent at their kid's birthday party and their, when their kid's happy and doing everything right. You're going to glorify God whenever your kid does the wrong thing, when your kid says horrible things to you and you tell them, I love you. When you have to discipline, even when it's hard. Husband, wife, friend, all these things, it's in the difficult times where it shows how good God is, how glorious He is, how much honor He deserves, how praiseworthy He is. We're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to not the bad things, but in the bad things, looking forward to God being glorified. Right? We're looking forward to knowing God, to being with God, obtaining the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. We don't see Him now, but one day we will see Him. And that's what we're looking forward to. That's what gets us through trials. Three things, faith in a person, a trustworthy God, knowledge, something we need to know, which is that this is necessary. If there was another way, God would do it another way, but God has made the world so, such that we need difficulty to grow over time. We need to be challenged and stretched, and it's for our good because we're valuable, not because God's trying to destroy us. And then lastly, in it we're hoping. We're not, we're not rejoicing because we like suffering. We're rejoicing because we like the result, which is the glory of God, showing the goodness of God, looking forward to meeting Him, looking forward to knowing Him. So that's really all I have about trials, but I hope it's helpful. Why don't we just pray together? Lord, we don't want to just talk about these things or just say that, Lord, we don't want just to say, oh, that was a good message or something like that. Or do we want it to be real in our lives and to actually glorify you and be changed? Would you help us? Would you give us great grace in the trials that we know you have planned for our good? Lord, would you help us to be examples to our kids and to be able to say, 
I know this is necessary for God's glory and for my good. Please, Lord, help us. We can't do it on our own. We need grace to do it. Would you be pouring out your spirit on us, opening our eyes? I pray, Lord, please, would you help people under difficult trials, long-standing trials? Would you give them your presence and help? Pray for our time together after this. Pray that conversations would be pleasing to you and pray you'd fill the room with love for one another and love for you. We hand all these things to you, Lord. Amen. Can you sing day by day? Sounds good. <laughs>